Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You are listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that looks at pop culture, technology, TV shows, and everything in between, because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I am Shannon Miller, the creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek. Um, usually sitting at my proverbial right is David Greiner. However, I have lovingly kicked him off the show for today <laughs> in order to speak to just a few of my favorites, um, starting with our community editor, Luz Corona, who is kind of my guest co-host of the week. Hello. Hello, friend. Thank you for having me again. Of course. We finally did it. We finally just took over the show. We did it. Sorry, Griner. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was deceptively easy. I'm so glad to have you here. And um, so today is a really, really special episode because we get to highlight one of the most progressive um, organizations in the industry right now, Asians in Advertising. Later in the episode, we will talk to Liz Kim of Booth. For now, we get a chance to chat with one of the coolest ladies in the world to me. She, she is Bernice Chow, head of Integrated Creative at Zambezi. She is also the head of school, a digital social department. Hey, Bernice. Hi. Thanks for having me today. I am so glad that we get to um, sort of chat in a public arena. We've had the pleasure of speaking um, pretty quietly over the past month while we worked on a really special project for Adweek. But now um, we get to sort of share you with everybody else so that everyone knows how incredible you are and sort of the amazing work that you're doing. So I'm really glad that you are joining us today. No, this is such an incredible honor and you know, humble to be here in the seat. Absolutely. So on top of everything else that Bernice does, she is also the co-founder of Asians in Advertising. And I cannot stress how wild this story is to me. I wanted to kick this off because when I first started at Adweek a year ago, one of the first organizations that I heard of, like, full on was Asians in Advertising. And we were um, hearing about all of the incredible work they were doing and the waves that they were making. And I wasn't given too much context beyond that. So with with that, I was sort of under the assumption that it had been around for years. It wasn't until I got a chance to talk to Bernice, um, Adweek reached out to Asians in Advertising to um, spearhead a new initiative for AAPI month called the AAPI Creative Spotlight, which gives us an opportunity to um, spotlight different creatives in the industry, which we will get to later. But when I first made contact with Bernice, 
one of the first things that she told me was that at the time that we had been speaking, AIA had just celebrated like its one year anniversary. And I was like, what? <laughs> How? <It> sounds <laughs> crazy. Like, crazy. Just years of work compacted it like such a short amount of time. So I really want to first get into how AIA came together, because that's pretty wild too. Absolutely. I could tell you a little bit about our origin story. I mean, I really give the credit to Adweek. You know, there was a town hall that featured AAPI in the C-suite back in February 2021. And for me, you know, I had this idea of creating community, but I kind of shrugged it off. It was about five years ago where I was like, I finally work with five Asian people. Let's start something. I I see all these other (laughs) amazing communities out there. And I was like, I really think that would be beneficial to have our own. And when I had that idea and I brought it to a few of my coworkers, they were like, that's great. After the first or two, like the first two meetings, it was kind of like, do we really need this? Should we really push for space? Are we being too exclusive? And there's all these like, but kind of that happened and it just died. And so when this town hall happened with Adweek, I was glued to the screen. Uh, The level of caliber of talent, I didn't even know existed out there. You know, seeing like CMOs, CEOs, founders, I was like, I didn't know how much I needed it until I saw it for the first time. And I was just in tears. I was like glued to the screen, taking Mm -hmm. notes. I was just so incredibly inspired by that. And I remember something really distinctive at the end of the call. And it was, these founders said to each other, we never do this. We should do this more often. And I was like, yes, all the time. Like, we all need this. <laughs> and it really got me thinking, like, I already bought this URL called Asians in Advertising five years ago. I was paying for it every year. And I was like, it can't hurt to just try it. And so, you know, over the you know next two months, I was just kind of you know, reaching out to different people. I reached out to Minjay, who was on that panel, and I talked to her. I talked to Resh, who's another great creative. And I was just talking to them about their experiences as API, as a mom, as someone that's creative. And I just got so much from that that I just wanted to kind of explore what this could be. And so one of the people I met over a virtual coffee was Jessalyn Lam. And she is my co-founder of Asians in Advertising. And she is the most connected person. She actually just won the 3% award, uh, the Nancy Hill Award last year, and the Asian oh, Hustle oh, Network wow. Award for 50 Unsung Heroes. She just was so passionate about making a community. And she was like already doing it. Like she was already a part of so many organizations and so connected. And I didn't even know these organizations existed. Um, When she started naming like 3F, Ascend, she was part of Ad Club of New York. She's been on Ad Color. Like she was an Ad Week editor. And so she just kind of did all these different things that she was so plugged in. And I feel like there is kind of this thing where creatives kind of like just do the work and they kind of don't join communities. So I felt like I just didn't even know some of these communities existed. And so talking to her one time, I was, you know, I think I reached out like two weeks later and I was like, I have this URL. Do you want to just do it? And she was like, okay, what does that mean? And so I always tell the story on Saturday, I built a Squarespace website. She checked it on Sunday. She like proofed it. Monday, we launched it with one networking event. You know, all this was was supposed to be like random breakout rooms, super casual. We were hoping for 25 people to care. We ended up getting over 600 signups and needing to blow it out to two days. Uh, So it was kind of like, oh, we were like nobody came out of the gates and it just kind of took off. And the fact that we just saw that the need for the community wasn't just something that we saw. It was something that everyone kind of shared. And that one networking like event we had 
we got so much amazing feedback. Like people were like, we need to do this again. We need to have a mentorship. Like it started opening up all these conversations that in our first year we had 13 events. We launched a podcast. Then we ended the year with a, you know, two day summit. So it just kind of became this accidental ride that just kind of kept going. And now we are a nonprofit organization with 3000 members around the world. One, it's hard enough to build a website just to, to put up a few blog posts, to launch a website, and then <laughs> to sort of build that around like the sense of community, and then to launch like some sort of networking event the very next day is like energy unlike anything that I have personally experienced. Because usually, like, the website's up, great, I will see you guys in two months, because that took the wind out of me. <laughs> so. Yeah, your story, Bernice, could be, like, one of those Squarespace commercials that, like, that it really just took off. And now we know why it feels like it's been around for a few years, because the amount of work you did in two to three days is oh equivalent God. to what people do in a couple of months. And also, we had two babies. <laughs> so I started this when I was, like, Oh my Eight god. Once pregnant and Jessalyn just had her baby. And so we've had two babies. Oh my like god. this this Asian's an advertising baby and then two actual babies in this time. That's yeah, I was gonna say this the, is your third baby. <laughs> yeah. Baby. <laughs> this is very much your third baby. Yeah, I, I don't I couldn't tell you a single thing that I did when I was pregnant because I'm like, I'm making a human and that is enough. Yep. But to launch this community, and there is something that really sticks out so much about that story, um, is, you know, we kind of have this amongst, like, marginalized groups. There's this shared understanding of what it means to be the only person in the room. I think that there's also a shared experience of entering the room and seeing maybe not one, but if you're lucky, two other people that look and feel like you. And, like, for those of us who have that sort of, like, proactive itch, it's like, how do we harness this? <laughs> like what, there's three of us, what can we do to make sure that we are really making the best of this? And so I love that story so much because I think it just really speaks to sort of the hunger for community that I think we feel all the time. Like it, it, it kind of makes you feel emotional when you think about it, just sort of like it, being a professional of color can be a really lonely thing. So to have this thing that you launch and then the very next day, 600 people, 600 people said, I need this. And that's just incredibly beautiful. So one, congratulations for being such a badass. And two, like congratulations for building this really necessary community that's already making such, such incredible like work and waves throughout um, the ad industry so much that like it seemed like a bit of a no-brainer when it came like okay we have this opportunity to really leverage a community who should we connect with to make sure that it's done the right way that we're highlighting the right people and it was like of course we it would be Asians in advertising who else would it be so that's why when you're like, yeah, we're a year old. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> You've been here for at least five. <laughs> yep. No, no, no. Thank you. It, 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 it's been such a crazy fast ride that, you know, again, I'm just so amazed by the community and how much support we've had. And we have an amazing board member team, you know, Liz Kim, who's talking later. You know, there's so many mm -hmm. people behind the scenes who really care. Yeah. And I was so surprised, too by just how prepared you were when we had this opportunity to create this new spotlight series, just to sort of give 
people at home a little bit of background. We reached out to Bernice with the hopes that she would you know, maybe speak to why something like this was important and maybe have like four or five people that she could recommend for it. And we were more than happy to like look for the rest and sort of le- you know, leverage whatever. Bernice came with just the most beautiful spreadsheet of like 40 <laughs> to 50 names with so many details. It was color coordinated. It was so nice. I was like, Bernice, what is all of this? And she was like, here are all these amazing, amazing people. And when you go through each individual, it's not like, I don't want to say that there are any sort of like creatives that are going in and slouching by any means. Any creative work is hard, hard work. But my goodness, just this list of just powerhouses that apparently don't feel like they're powerhouses. But you look at their portfolio and it's incredible, incredible stuff. Um, Just from your experience, Bernice, what does something like this mean to like a the a the AAPI advertising community in particular? I mean, this means the world. I mean, the fact that a lot of creatives are in departments where they are that one person, that one female, that one Asian, to the to know that there is thirty other ones out there is huge. And that they're getting shown, it just shows that there is representation of like who they can be, where they can work, what they can write about, what they can talk about. Um, Even reading through some of these stories, it's like what they were inspired by, uh, what they're building for the community. All these voices, it just shows that there is possibility for their career. For me, a a huge part of my career was not seeing that runway, um, not seeing what I can be next. And having this as an example of that, it's not just this one type of creative. You're not just showing that C-suite, amazing person like David Lee, who's on this, who's amazing, total hero. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're showing also the juniors, you know, you're showing the directors, you're showing just all aspects of creativity. And it just shows that there isn't one type of creative you have to be or that one kind of work you have to be. So, no, I was like, as soon as Shannon reached out, I like stayed up and I put together the spreadsheet. I was like, this is that opportunity. I was like, I'm not wasting it. So, no, I was like so excited that I maybe overly excited that I was so proud to put that spreadsheet together. We love beautiful spreadsheets at Adweek and in the industry. So I think it was meant to be. Maybe as like as a creative, that's probably not the strong suit. But like I was like, this is amazing. Yes. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard from creatives. They do not like Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> um, but I have a question for you. So, you know, in conversations, I we've learned that it's traditional within the culture to kind of, you know, we're kind of raised, and and I think this is actually similar across other communities, because, um, but we in the culture, it's kind of taught to put your head down and just keep working and not really like be vocal and you know and and speak up and you know does this apply to also speaking about your work because and are you seeing a difference in this next generation about being more vocal and speaking up about their work and you know and kind of dispelling the model minority myth well a lot of you know traditional backgrounds you know having that culture from our parents or you know just that asian side there is kind of a prevailing you know, cultural nuance that happens. So when, you know, 
easy way I always kind of explain this is from that the squeaky wheel gets the grease is a very common American saying. And in Chinese, we say the loudest duck gets shot. And so you can kind of see how someone who's culturally Asian can move around the workplace a bit different, right? So we kind of go into a room thinking that every time we raise our voice, we can get flagged or be in trouble. And something that I see in advertising is if you don't speak up, if you're not saying things in a room, whether it's perfect or non-perfect or still forming, you're seen as someone without creative ideas. You're not seen as a leader. And, you know, we talk about kind of the myths on the side of, you know, being Asians, putting the head down, working hard, earning things by merit, and also kind of the bias of that other people see us as that as well, right? As worker bees who maybe aren't outspoken and are quiet. I remember early in my career, they were like, can you present? Are you capable of that? And I was like, why wouldn't I be capable? Would you ask my white male counterpart if they are capable? Uh, and I'm American. So it's not like there is a language barrier, but there is a, a, an assumption based on the way I look. And I think, you know, whether or not you know, me myself is outspoken, there is kind of this other biases that happens. And, you know, what we thought was really interesting is in the Asians and advertising community, we're only 48% from the advertising marketing community. We actually bring in a lot of people from other sectors. So we have people that are in tech, healthcare, real estate, finance, and they're joining our group because they see this career gap. They see this place where, you know, Asians kind of come into the workforce and kind of stay in the middle. And they're not getting moved up because they're not seen as leaders. And so one thing that, you know, Justin and I are really proud of is we got reached out to buy a publishing house to write a career guide based on kind of these strategies that we put together. And so this book is called The Visibility Mindset. Um, it's all about strategies, interviews, about how we can kind of see where we are and kind of use those strategies to move forward, you know? And one of the things we do talk about is staying visible. And that is that humble brag that is showcasing your work, having your elevator pitch ready, knowing what you want and asking for it. Because if you don't advocate for yourself, you might not be advocated for outside of the room. So making sure that you are top of mind and kind of there. So um, I totally agree, Luz, with that statement. It's... This, as you, as Luz mentioned before, it's one of those things that is shared amongst like certain sects of like different marginalized groups, because um, there is this sort of overarching fear that if you stand out too much, then that's akin to like putting a target on your back, essentially. Yes. Especially yes. if you are advocating for yourself or for your community. But then there's this like this sort of pressing um, need when you do realize that you have a little bit of leverage or you you have a platform that like it's kind of now whether no one makes you feel like it's your responsibility, but there's this innate understanding of like, I, I have some power here. I have a choice that I can either use it or not. And um, for especially for like a lot of women, it's like, yeah, I think it's I need to be the one. If I'm going to be the only one, then I need to be the one and sort of make sure that this door sort of stays open for people to come in behind me. Um, but there still, there is that sort of like cultural pressure of like, keep your head down. You're here. Don't make waves because you're lucky to be here. So this is kind of like the second um, like cultural series that we've done this year. Um, first being profiles in, cre in black creativity um, that was started by Derek Walker 
And one of the things that was kind of heartbreaking when we send these emails saying like, hey, someone said that like your work is worth platforming, a good like 15% of the responses comes back with like some version of, are you sure? Like, am I the person that you really meant to reach? And you go to these people like, so like, what does that mean? Are you not a creative? Like, what, what do you mean you're not the one that we're supposed to be reaching out to you? And then you go to their websites and you're like, yeah, of course we meant to reach out to you. Like one of um, the people that we got to um, feature was uh, Steve O'Chang from Chaos Labs. The um, He's a creative film director. And he was one of the first ones to reply. And he was like, yeah, thank you so much. But there are so many other people that are doing like much more incredible work. First person he mentioned was Bernice. <laughs> and like, um, he started like listing all these people. But then you go to his website and I'm like, the work you're doing is incredible. And it's like featured in like film festivals. Of course we meant to reach out to you. And that's such a common thing. And it's so heartbreaking. Um, and I... I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up, but there's something that like really touched me about this was that it was an opportunity um, for us to be able to shine a light on people who, some of which feel like they don't deserve it, even though they do an in- insane amount of work. So, um, and that again is just like Bernice, again, bringing like this list of names of like, hey, this is a junior creative, but the work she's doing, she should be way higher than she is. Or like, hey, this person has been doing this like incredible work for years, years. You mentioned Resh earlier. And like the stuff that she's doing with like augmented reality. I'm like, you're a trailblazer, man. Like, why why is this like the first time I'm getting to hear about your work? Oh, she she is she is completely a badass. No, I she is <laughs> so cool. She's so hip and like she's a mom, you know, and she's yeah. killing it out there. It's it's just really cool to be able not just to be able to spotlight these people so that our audiences can get an understanding of them, but also as a um, person who heads the create our creative arm, these are this is work that I've never got an opportunity to see because it you know we either didn't get the pitch or we just didn't know. And now I'm hoping that this will sort of widen the aperture of not just our coverage. I mean, our coverage is is cool. And I, of course, I'm always going to advocate for it, but just coverage in the industry in general. I'm hoping that this is sort of an opportunity for us to realize that there are, there's a lot of creative work that we're not getting a chance to see, whether it's because we're not getting pitched or because we're, we're just not looking where we should be looking. So I'm really, I was really excited to be able to feature all, all of these people and also just to like get to stand a couple of new creatives because there are some like really, really cool people here. I'm like, I should be following you all the time. Um, Bernice, was there any particular profile from the series that stood out to you at all besides your own? <laughs> Mine was the least impressive. <laughs> um, no, there was so many good articles here. Um, I mean, I'm just such a fan that it's like, it's like really hard to choose. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of JJ. You know, he's a director. I know so often we don't get to, like, have diverse directors. He's so good. I mean, he's not only just Mm-mm. a great human, and he talks about kind of just, you know, loss in his article, but he directed Thrift Shop for Malcolm Moore. Like, he is so cool. Like, how was he not on my That's list previously? So cool. Yeah, right? Like, 
He didn't he even is, mention that. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, some of these articles are just so humble. Like, that when I read it, I'm like, why didn't they mention, like, these other huge pieces that did? Uh, <laughs> like, Susan Colby in here, you know, she started her own agency because she saw women after a certain age not have a place to go. And she was like, there's a huge market for people over 50, you know? So why don't I just start my own agency? Like, she was a complete trailblazer. Uh, wow. Like I said, there are just so many. Like, I feel like I have to, like, really choose here. Um, like, Porson talked about how he worked on the name uh, for PNG. And through the API community, that, like, that, I didn't even realize he did that spot. Like, I shared it all over. Mm-hmm. I talked about it at the summit. But that was a, that was a spot that talked about how Asian people are not celebrated for ethnic names. And how that Mm -hmm. is something that seems very un-American. So something that when Asian people come to this country, they're asked to have a very, like, American-sounding name. And it was really recognizing, you know, embracing your identity, your cultural identity. And that cultural identity, even though you sound, it sounds different, is still fundamentally American, right? And, like, showing an instance of someone else standing up for you. Like, I just thought this was so great that he was able to bring his perspective into that story. Absolutely. And he did that work for P&G, which is doing, over the years, has been doing some pretty incredible work um, in making sure that they're building platforms for marginalized folks. So it's really good to see something like this kind of bring in this, like, full circle moment and... um, show that they are going to in-community creatives to make sure that these platforms are built correctly and in the most effective way. I'm sorry. I'm still very much stuck on judge, on JJ directing um, Thrift Shop. Because, yeah. Like, can we? That needs to be known. <laughs> I would open every line with that. Like, I directed uh, Macklemore <laughs> Thrift Shop. Nice to meet you. It's like, I'm here for pickup. Take your pickup. Such a culture defining, like that was like a culture defining, defining like music video, and the fact that he was behind that is kind of like mind blowing. And it does point that because he doesn't mention that anywhere, like it does not come up at all. Um, and another one that really, really um, stuck out to me was um, director Ree Bragado and um, all of the stuff that they are doing in the beauty space, and like. That profile really stuck out to me because it was such a specific topic about like how much that space is still kind of failing the AAPI community and like what they're trying to do to sort of pivot that conversation so that we are recognizing like it shouldn't be like a huge deal that like one company is like recognizing a ton of skin tones. That should be the standard. And that's something that comes up a lot in the Pacific Islander community. And they talked a lot about that and were really candid. Um, I also liked um, Pollock Capadia's uh, profile, the copywriter over at YouTube. One, they're just very cool and very cute. Um, and two, something that she said that really stuck out to me was that like for a long time, the creative industry, um, not just like in advertising, but in, in entertainment, we looked to like three people to determine what was cool. And then the rest of the industry just kind of chased those three perspectives. And that's not how it should be. It should be like a much wider idea of what cool means across the board. And so like, she's working to be like, 
there's room for my version of cool and your version of cool as well. And that's a really inclusive conversation to have. Just like there are all these different aesthetics and there's no reason why we can't find a way to celebrate all of that and uplift the people behind those things. So I, I just, there's just so much here that um, like Bernie said, it's like, it's kind of hard to pick a favorite, but it's, this series was really, really um, fulfilling to help put together. But like, by all means, Bernice in that spreadsheet did like 80% of the work. I just want to see the spreadsheet. I was like, I have to show up. So Shannon has me back next year. No, I had to like grab the opportunity. So absolutely. Done and done. Not even a question. I wouldn't even go to anybody else. Um, I, I One final question before we sort of wrap, because I know you're very, very busy. Um, if there is one general takeaway that you want the industry to take from a series like this that highlights copywriters and junior creatives alongside CEOs and creative directors, um, what is something that you hope the industry sort of takes away from an effort like this? I just hope that they see that there is, I think that one thing is like, we can't find diverse talent. Like you kind of hear that as a generalization, Mm -hmm. like, oh, we can't find them. They're not out there. There are out there. You just have to look. Um, You're welcome to reach out to my community, reach out to me. I'm happy to help you look. But there's a lot of great lists out there. There's a lot of great people that are championing this cause. So if you want to take that extra step and find them, they are there. And they will make the creative better and stronger and bring in different perspectives and just different types of creative. Um, So my message out there is just like, we are out there. Find us. We want to do good work. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. No excuses. No excuses. We're making this so easy for everybody. No excuses. (laughs) (laughs) Bernice, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And um, I can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) No, I appreciate this. I was going to say, your work is amazing. And I think you should be so proud of yourself. Um, And it's amazing what you've accomplished in a year. And I can't wait to see what this year will bring. Appreciate it. Thank you again. And find us, AsiansInAdvertising.com. Yes, please go to the website. They're doing incredible work all the time. Um, Definitely check out the details of the um, recently wrapped um, Breaking Barrier Summit. I think you just kind of have to see the culmination of that work because it's incredible. And there are a lot of um, incredible speakers there. So definitely take a look at that so that you don't miss it um, in the future. And yeah, just definitely keep up with agents and advertising at all times because they're just doing incredible work. And with that, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. 
And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And we are back. And joining us this time is one of my lovely new friends. She is the art director at Agency M Booth and a board member of Agents in Advertising. We are joined now by Liz Kim. Hi, Liz. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm really glad that you were able to join us today. And I have to say, um, previously, we were talking about uh, the AAPI Creative Spotlight Series that we did with Asians in Advertising. And this was such an awesome series because I got to very selfishly learn about um, creatives in our industry that I previously didn't have any sort of connection with. Um, so reading um, Liz's profile, like there were just so many gems in here. I was like, yes, 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 this is how it should go. Um, just because there is what sort of like the through line, and we kind of talked about that in the previous segment, the through line through a lot um, of the profiles this year was um, in terms of like how they want to sort of work moving forward. They the big deal for marginalized creatives in particular isn't really resting on like specific clients or specific big names. It's really just aligning with clients that share our values, that really see what we need as a community and what we need as individual creatives. And there was one thing that you mentioned that we were talking about your proudest work. And you mentioned, as a minority woman of color, I feel that whenever the opportunity presents itself, I am responsible to make sure that the voice of my community is heard and that there is a diverse representation. And I think that that's something that a lot of us share, especially for three women of color that are currently on this episode. I feel like that's something that we kind of like take very personally. I'm wondering like what for you in terms of like your working environment, what's really key in terms of like making sure that not only your voice is heard, but that your community is heard throughout your work? Yeah, so I I am very fortunate. I work at, I'm an art director at Mbooth, which is a creative agency. And I think I'm very, very fortunate at Mbooth where I have a kind of a seat at the table where I can have my voice be heard by my peers. And when I s- speak up about, you know, casting and the diversity need for our casting in terms of, you know, paid media, TVCs, or even like influencer work we do with our brands, I really want to make sure that we're always presenting a diverse cast and like not just for Asians or like women's, all people of color. It's like one of my biggest priorities is to make sure that there's equal representation. Um, and I think because I have, I'm, I'm in such a place where it's welcoming and that's our mission to prioritize that. And when I speak up about it, I think it's well-received. And I know it's not a situation that most people go through in most agencies. So I'm very fortunate that when I say things, I can have my voice be heard and be taken seriously. I think that's um, a lot of things I've come into experience with in my past life, where like, even when I said something about, you know, my 
ethnicity or of my race or even like having a uh, representation, I think it's oftentimes gets lost in the sea of people vocalizing. And I think only recently in the last year or two with the whole social movement of Black Lives Matter, Asian hate, it's only starting to, our voice started to be heard. Because, you know, no matter as much as we are loud and we say things, it people need to hear us. And I think only recently have people, clients and brands have taken a step to try to hear it. Um, and I think that's why it's such a passion of mine. I think if I have given up any point in my life of st- not speaking up, then the clients that I work with now will not be able to hear my voice about you know diverse representation. But because I was consistently passionate about this throughout my whole career, now that when clients are in a place of wanting to hear and wanting to participate, they realize that my voice is coming from a place of, of authenticity because I have been speaking about this. Uh, for so long. I Liz, I have a question for you because um, that, that was mm-hmm. a really um, great response. So, you know, you're you're fortunate enough to be in an encouraging environment where your peers accept your opinions. And I think Shannon and I feel the same way. You know, we, we speak up mm-hmm. and we feel supported. You know, what advice do you have for people that may be speaking up and their colleagues aren't there yet? Or, you know, in, um, you know, in a space where DEI is making advancements, you know, and, and everyone, it's top of mind for everyone, but people don't really know how to truly tackle it, maybe unaccepting to change or growth. What would you say? I would say don't give up because I have been there. And I think the biggest thing that people have come in those situations is discouragement. Um, They see that people want to make steps, but it's all talk and not a lot of action. Or, you know, I've heard also a lot that I'm the only Asian in my company. I've heard that so many times. And I would say don't give up because of that. I think take up that space, keep keep vocalizing your needs for diversity in terms of anything and everything. And I think um, with time, it, it'll, it'll just come with time, unfortunately. There's not like a magic, I wish I had a wand that like magic wave and be like, oh yeah, equal representation everywhere. But unfortunately, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that wand be amazing? Oh, great. <laughs> it would, yes, everybody would buy it and not know what to do with it. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but, you know, it doesn't <laughs> exist. And the only the only answer right now, unfortunately, is to just keep speaking and just keep fighting for you and your community, because if you don't fight for it, no one else will fight for it. If you're not representing your community, you're not um, being heard. You have to keep speaking till you're heard. And I'm a big believer in that. And I know for my Asian community, we were raised and we are raised by our parents and the older generation to not really do that. So for a lot of us, it is almost counterproductive to who we are because, you know, we are raised to be the quiet ones. We're raised to like kind of like accept the fact that this is how life is. But, you know, like the way our parents raised us like 20, 30 years ago is very different than how the world is today. So I think learning to overcome that a little bit and learning to be a little bit more louder and take up that space is something new for everyone, but it is a necessary need if we want change to happen. Because if we continue to stay quiet and not fight for what we want, 
we will be in the same place where we were 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. We, I think people who are the advocates and speak the loudest will be the ones to make the change. So I love um, you talking about, you know, making sure that you are loud and not just like, agreeable or like Mm -hmm. presenting yourself in a way that's palatable, but just really making yourself understood by, you know, sort of any vocal means, Mm -hmm. uh, which is especially hard when you are the only one, as you mentioned, like we, I I don't want to presume anything here, but I feel like we, one of like the larger, like shared professional experiences amongst women of color or just people of color in general is walking into our room for the first time or joining that first Zoom call and then noticing very quickly we are the only ones there. Um, <laughs> aggressive that, head nods. You guys yes. Have- <laughs> yes. Um, ag- aggressive yes. head nodding. And <laughs> it's, it's scary. No one understands how scary, scary that is because all of a sudden now there is this heaps of added responsibility if you choose to take it. And I don't know um, a single woman that, you know, I've come across in journalism or advertising that ever felt like this isn't my issue. No, it suddenly becomes our issue. And that's a very, very scary thing. And um, I was, so I was really grateful to see something like um, the Breaking Barriers virtual event that sort of carries that ethos of like, now is our time to speak out and here's how we can make sure that we're advancing ourselves. And for those at home who may not be aware, um, so Asians in, Adver- Asians in Advertising earlier this month put on this incredible virtual event called Breaking Barriers. And it had, God, how many speakers? Was it like over 60, Liz? Oh, I wish. We had about like a little over 45 speakers. Still a lot. <laughs> yeah, 45 speakers. <laughs> and we had about over 550 attendees. And this is our first ever summit that we did as an organization, Asians in Advertising. And for us to have that big of a turnaround, I don't think any of us expected it. Um, I think it, but that just goes to show we had 45 amazing speakers and they were all of uh, API descent, uh, API community. Um, First of all, the fact that we had on all API panels with 45 plus speakers. Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. <laughs> and Incredible. They were, they're not just your regular, like, John Doe. They're all industry le- leaders. They're all, like, CEOs or founders or CMOs. We've had so many high-level-up Asian people come speak. And I think one of the greatest comments that we I saw throughout the whole event was, like, wow, I didn't know that Asians were, like, in the C-level suite. Like, wow. I've never mm. seen that before. And I think that just goes to show that like our community is so underrepresented that even that we even though we are in this advertising industry, we don't see ourselves represented within the workforce. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a big problem. And I think the com- number one comment, other than like you know I've never seen Asian leaders, was also oh at my company I'm the only Asian person. People just resonated with that quite a lot. And mm-hmm. that is 550 people all saying the same thing attendees. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show that what Asians in advertising is doing is 
the first of its kind where we're actually giving the space for Asians in the advertising uh, industry to kind of have a platform and to kind of have a resource to just connect with one and each other. Because I think for so long, everyone thought they were alone and they thought they had to fight this good fight by themselves. But you, you realize that there are a lot of people out there who going through the same thing and not only that but there's also a lot of allies out there who also want to help and support and uh elevate Asians in the industry because I think we tend to like I said earlier we tend to you know we're raised to be quiet just go with the flow so we're never really considered a lot for those promotions or the big jobs or the big projects we're like kind of like unfortunately like we're casted aside and we get the leftover stuff and you know all that stuff so I think learning it we slowly have become each other's cheerleader and support system and I think over time I'm really hoping because Asians in advertising is only a year old and the fact that it is a year old just mind blows me I hope that over time um, the community will continue to grow and will continue to like elevate each other up and you know as we raise through our pro professional lives and careers I hope that the next generation sees that and will be able to come follow the path because I think right now a lot of people a lot of Asian people are hesitant to be in the industry or stay in the industry because they don't see us being pursued to the top you know and I hope that like you know as we ourselves myself grow there that the next generation will see that it is a possibility possibility and continue to to stay in the industry for sure. Um, no, for sure. And and Asians in advertising, I'm so, I'm just still blown away by the fact that it's only one year old. I just feel like the name <laughs> is just so well known by now and I've just seen great things. And, and yeah, I mean, I think everyone should be proud of that. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, an and, it's a great accomplishment for sure. It's, a, it's an incredible accomplishment. And, and to have such like a sort of like gangbusters event, just sort of going through and looking – at the like the just like the sponsorship support um here that's like such a huge thing to to garner at any level but especially for like a first year organization it's pretty incredible to get like the sort of support of like yahoo and you know 3680 and publicis and to have all of this support that says like hey we want to make sure that this is something that is elevated um, one of my favorite um, facts about this, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was like free for students, right? Or it was yes. yeah, which is like such a key component of like breaking open that sort of like gatekeeping that keeps a lot of people of color out of this industry. Yeah, I think we've had an overwhelming amount of sponsors and uh, donations and support throughout the community because we've had sponsors and we've also had partnerships. And I think it just goes to show that people are ready they're ready to help and they re want to see this change happen. Um, and they've been ready because like, why else would these big organizations be so eager to jump and, you know, donate and help us out? Because I, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, companies like Publicis and Yahoo, they're setting, they're setting the tone. They're setting an example, exemplary of themselves to other agencies and other uh, companies out there saying like, Hey, like, not only are we just saying we're advocates of the Asian community, we're putting more money where our mouth is. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of times, a lot of brands and companies do that. They say they support whatever, whatever, whatever. And then in execution, they lack that. And I think they're, that 
the whole Asians and advertising breaking barriers was a good example of uh, companies and brands that aligned with our um, ethos and really put their money where their mouth is and supported uh, Asian careers. So um, I have one final question for you because I know that you are very, very busy. I um, Just speaking sort of from the perspective of a, a creative in this industry, there is, I feel like, and this is sort of coming from the, the experience of like um, Black History Month, just sort of like observing Black History Month for me, it comes with like equal levels, like excitement and dread. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like what our industry is going to produce, because in some ways we get some really cool resources that um, pop up. And then in others, we get sort of <laughs> just very cringy, like just really cringy stuff where you're just like, where were you all year? <laughs> like, Why did you pop up a very river with this? <laughs> so, yep. and, and so that and, and sort of talking with I was talking about that um, with um good friend of just Advic in general, um, the Martin agency, Sean Choi, who is a strategist and is doing really cool things. And we're talking about like exploitative marketing and sort of how it can do a really good job of like disguising itself as something that's authentic when in community folks that really know that it really isn't. So as a creative, what would you advise like your colleagues across the industry, like the pitfall like the biggest pitfall to avoid in terms of making sure that they are providing something that is authentic versus um, if, the, if is there something that you are seeing that you wish you would see more of, if that makes sense. Kind of a two-prong question there. Yeah, so I totally get what you mean with when you were talking about the Black Lives Matter because, you know, right now it's like towards the end of May, towards the end of AAPI month, and I – it's going to happen because it happens every year after year during any heritage month, any cultural moment. Um, you have that heat moment of where the most amount of media, the most, most most amount of press, the most amount of interest is garnered to that whatever uh, cause is. So, you know, right now May is API month. So I think because of that, we've had a little bit more highlight of our community and in, in the industry. And I am very grateful for that. But I think we kind of u- need to use that as more of a jumping off point to accelerate the co- the changes that need to happen with the industry. And hopefully that the moment mo- momentum that was given to us in the month of May will be able to last us throughout the year until next year. Because I have a feeling that within the next few weeks, you know, it will die down and whatever the next causes will be the big highlight. And I think for brands or any companies out there that, you know, supported anything AAPI related the month of May needs to make sure that any support that they give in the month of May continues throughout the year and that you are supporting your AAPI employees, um, co-workers and all that. And I think in order to do that, you need to be self-aware a little bit. And I think you need to recognize as a brand or company that you ha- it's going to happen. First, you, got, you just have to recognize that it's going to happen. And I think the second step from there is to continue to make sure that the Asian network and community ha- still has their voice be heard throughout the rest of the year. Because throughout 
fear. We're still talking. We're still going to be loud. We're still going to be advocating for ourselves. And it's the brands and companies out there responsibility to continue to hear us, not just in the month of May, but to continue to hear us, you know, in August, September, October. And I think that is for the same amongst every uh community out there for sure. I love that. Sorry, I was going to say that the the jumping off point. That's I think that's the most critical part of what you just said that you can because what is the alternative of not um you know using these months of recognition celebration as a time to highlight the community. The alternative is to not do anything. Um and mm-hmm. you know, obviously it always has to be done authentically, but I really love what you said, Liz. It's the jumping off point. These conversations need to go off year round. The month is great, but it's just the beginning. Exactly. I would say like May is almost kind of like a kicking off point. Like we should treat each month as the cultural heritage month, the beginning and see what is out there, what programs are out there for you to support throughout the year, because it exists. They're always out there. It's just during each during the month of May, it's just like a lot more people are looking after it because that's what media and press is covering. But I think kind of do like do the talk while even when the news isn't even when the camera isn't uh, pointing at you, even when it's not the mm-hmm. focus of that month, you should still be walking the walk of, you know, supporting Asians in advertising or supporting your Asian co-workers and peers. You just need to continue doing that. And I think the key thing here is to listen to them. I think that I said it earlier in the podcast about being heard. I think you just have to continue listening to them because when they say something and something they say something about representation or diversity or what may have you, and they're talking about it two, three months from now, It's they're talking about it because it's still a constant issue. And if you're not listening to them and taking action from your employees that are bringing this up, that is a flag in itself. Liz, thank you so, so much for um, just not only the work that you do um, between Embooth and Nations in Advertising, but for just um, being very candid because that's one of those um, – sort of barriers is that we, it can get very um, scary to speak up, even when you have like a seemingly impenetrable p- platform. There's like those looming replica- like repercussions where you're just like, you know, do I say something? Do I not? And I'm really um, just happy that we have something like Asians in Advertising and people like you at the helm that are like, yes, we should absolutely say something all the time as loud as we possibly can until something's done about it. It makes it easier for other marginalized folks to follow suit. So thank you so much. And also just thank you for joining us today. We I'm so glad that you um, were able to like make your debut. It's going to make um, future episodes so much more fun. I'm so excited. I think what you guys doing, what you guys are doing is amazing. And I really appreciate you guys giving me the platform to, you know, speak and you guys are letting me be heard by your community. So uh, bravo to you guys. Oh, thank you. You're welcome anytime. 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 I'm, I'm not even the host of this show, and I'm just saying anytime. I'm just, I'm just speaking for Shannon. Luz is one of few, very few people that have carte blanche to speak for me whenever she wants because she's always correct. Thank you, friend. <laughs> and thank you, Luz, for joining me. We have to do this a lot more often. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Of course. I did not fire Griner. I'm just saying. Griner, <laughs> uh, you're in trouble. I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. 
This podcast was produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. I'm Shannon Miller. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.